You're worthy, Lord. Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this evening, Lord. We're here gathered in the name of your son, Jesus. God, you're a good God. We worship you. We praise you, Lord, with our breath, with, in, in spirit and in truth, Lord God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord. We love you tonight. And, and Father, I'm just asking for you to come this evening, Lord, to anoint me to speak to your people, Lord God. What you have shown me, what you prepared, Lord God, I just pray that your people would feast on it, Lord God. I pray that your church would be encouraged, they would be edified, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would have your way this evening, Lord. I pray you draw men unto yourself, just as Sister Becky said, Lord, in your word. How if you will be lifted up, you'll draw men unto yourself, Lord God. I thank you for that. And I'm asking, Father, that you would speak to every person here, Lord. Let there not be one person tonight, Lord, that, that doesn't leave this place changed, Lord, doesn't leave this place the same way they came, Lord God. But let each person, Lord, let there be a word, Lord, let there be a thought that the Spirit brings. Maybe something I don't say, but your Spirit is speaking to them, Lord God. That you would minister to them, Lord God. This is your bride. This is your, these are your sheep, Lord. I'm just a messenger, Lord God. I'm asking you, Lord, to feed your sheep. Lord, I'm asking you to water the weary soul, Lord. I'm asking for you to minister to those, Lord God, that, hear that, that are here that may not know you, Lord God. And, Lord, I just ask that you would be glorified here tonight. We praise you. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, turn, if you guys can open your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and, and uh, very familiar portion of scripture, I would hope, to most people, if not everyone, if you know the Lord, you should know John 3.16, amen? Um, I mean, geez, they even have signs at the ball games saying John 3.16, right? And, uh, you know, I was in prayer, in preparation, and I heard him. He said, John chapter 3. And so we're going to dive into John chapter 3 and uh, just go through it. And I prayed, I prayed that this would minister, that it would speak to you. And, and uh, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting in God. His word does not return void. Amen, church? Um, you know what, before we get into John 3, I want to start in John chapter 2, verse 23. And John 2, verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem, talking about Jesus, when he was in Jerusalem, at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Jesus did not commit himself, himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Very interesting couple of verses there. And I'm going to go back to this. It says in John chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, a good portion of scripture here. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do or thou doest except God be with them. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can it be a man, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, or the wind blows where it desires. And you hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell when it cometh and whether it goes. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou a master of Israel, or are you the teacher of Israel? And knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that what we know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Jesus is talking about himself. And as Moses lifted, just what Sister Becky said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth, or he that does the truth, cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And I just want to skip over to uh, verse 35. The Father loveth the Son, and this is John the Baptist talking. The Father loveth the Son, and has given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Amen. So we pick up, you know, in, in John chapter 2, it talks about Jesus and the miracle of, of turning water into wine at the wedding. And he goes into Jerusalem. He, uh, he drives out the money changers. He drives out all the people selling the merchandise in there. And uh, he performs miracles. 
And because of those miracles, people saw that and they believed on Jesus. They believed in him. But it says that Jesus did not commit himself. He didn't entrust himself to man because he knew what was in man. So we go into, Nicod into chapter 3 where Nicodemus comes to meet Jesus, and he comes to him by night. Now, Nicodemus was not just a normal guy, okay? Nicodemus wasn't just even like, like saying like a, a, a pastor. This guy was the teacher of Israel. He was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were a religious group from the Jews that um, they, they had a lot of traditions, and they had a, honestly, it was religious. It was the epitome of religion in Israel, and they did a lot of things so that people would look at them and say, oh, wow, look at that. That's Nicodemus. They did it for man, right? They did it, and, and Jesus would correct their behavior. He would call them out. You know, he would talk about how the Pharisees would come out and they'd come and they pray long prayers so that people could hear them. Or how, um, you know, when they do their good deeds, they would do it and they would give so that everyone can see, wow, look at how good they are. They're really good people. And Jesus said, the glory, that's the glory that they're going to get from men. You know, then Jesus talked about doing things in secret, right? Not letting your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But the Pharisees are standing there when he's talking about that because what he was saying is don't do what they're doing. So Nicodemus was a leader and he was a ruler of the Jews, the Bible says. In fact, the word Nicodemus, the name Nicodemus means conquer. He means conquer. And so he ruled over men. And yet... When he started hearing about Jesus, when he started seeing Jesus and hearing what Jesus was teaching and seeing the miracles that Jesus was doing, he said, there's something different about this man, Jesus. And he came to Jesus and he came to him by night, which is also not an accident or just a, a detail that the Holy Spirit put in there just to glance over. Because Nicodemus, being the prominent person that he was, you know, it would be an embarrassment for him to go to another teacher, to go to someone else to, to learn from them because he is the teacher. Yet he goes to Jesus, he goes to him by night because he didn't want anyone else to see. Right? He didn't want anyone else to know, hey, I, I want to really check this Jesus guy out. I want to know what, what it is about him. I know there's something about God in him because he's doing things that no man can do, except, like he said, except he be sent by God. And I just want to put a word of warning. How many of you try to follow Jesus, but you only follow him to a place where no one else will see, where you'll go to church and you'll be seen at church, but when it comes to the world, you don't want anyone else to know that you're following Jesus. That's what Nicodemus was doing. You know, it reminds me of Peter when, when he was following Jesus from afar when Jesus was going to get crucified because Peter didn't want to be caught up in that. He was afraid, right? He let fear get the best of him. And um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about something that someone said to me about that, about Peter. 
You know, he wasn't close, as close as he should have been to the Lord when he had those opportunities to have, to have that closeness and that relation. He wasn't as close in, that in the heat of the moment when he should have been there, he wasn't there. You know, when you have that opportunity to be close to the Lord, we need to take advantage of that. Because when the heat is turned on, when the heat is turned on and your faith is persecuted, because you haven't been spending time, because you haven't been spending the times that you could have, because you, because you flipped on the TV and decided, you know what, I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to go entertain myself. Or I'm just going to turn in bed and I'm not going to wake up because I'm tired. And the Lord is saying, come, come spend some time with me. If you don't do it in those times, what makes you think that in the times when the heat is turned up that you're going to be close to him then? Amen. A couple days ago, I, I, was, I was tired and I woke up early. My body wakes up, it just wakes up early. And... Um, and I was tired, and I, I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> so I'm, like, laying there. I'm, like, I got to get up. And I could feel myself dozing off. And I just heard this voice, get up, David. Get up, David. Get up, David. Three times. Get up, David. And I'm, like, David? Who's David? And boom, immediately I remembered. That's what happened to David when he sinned because he stayed in bed till noon. And the Lord was saying, get up, David, because if you don't get up from this slumber, It'll put you in a position where, you're, where you will be, uh, you'll, you'll be in a weak position. And when that temptation comes, you won't have the strength because you weren't praying. You know, that's why Peter, that's why Peter couldn't stand when they were saying, hey, weren't you with Jesus? That's why he couldn't say I was. Because he didn't have the strength because when he should have been praying, he was sleeping. So Nicodemus comes to him by night, and um, he told him, he didn't want to be seen with him, but he told him, we know you're from God. He didn't say, I know you're from God. He said, we know you're from God. So he had conversations with some of the Pharisees. You know, he, 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 he was, they were talking about Jesus. People are watching you, and they're having conversations about you. What are they saying about you? Or, yeah, that guy's a Christian. I don't know. He's, he drinks. He says the same jokes. You know, I don't know. No, that guy's different. He doesn't talk the way we talk. He doesn't drink. What are they saying about you? These guys were having a conversation, and they went to Jesus. He went to Jesus, and Nicodemus said, we know you're from God. And Jesus, to, to address him, says something that, to me, is, is just... You know, there are things that Jesus says that are just mind-blowing, a lot of things. But he says to him, he says to him, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. I don't know about you, but man, I, I woe on God all the time. I love the word of God. 
You know, I do. I have a fear of the Lord. I have an awe of God. You know, and we should. We should. That's what's missing today. People rather be entertained with the wickedness and the filth of this world instead of being in front of the Lord and spending time with him and being amazed by him. We'd rather sit and watch and be entertained by sin. When we need to spend time with him. We need to. You need to spend time with him. You need to spend more time with him. The fire is getting turned up hotter and hotter every day. And if we're not spending the time with him, like I said earlier, you're not going to be able to stand. You think you will, but you won't. And he tells Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He reveals, this is how you see God's kingdom. He revealed it to Nicodemus. And that's not an accident. He reveals something that is the key, okay, the, the, the key. You must be born again. You must be born again. And I was looking up the words, and it's interesting. He definitely says you must be born again because the way Nicodemus responds, he says to him, how can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time, right? So, the, so he says born again, and Nicodemus responds as he says born again. But the word again also means above. So the word is, a, it's a powerful word because it means you are born again and it also means you are born from above. And so he says that to him. And he says that to him. And Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter into his mother's womb a second time, right? He's, he's caught up in, how does this happen? How does this happen? Okay. And it doesn't matter. Actually, let me go back here. Lord, help me. God, Jesus shares with him a, a, a mystery from heaven. He shares with him a mystery of how you must be born again. I know it talks about, you, you know, God takes out the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. I know that there are different things that happen that point to Christ, right? How, how uh, Abraham was going to slay his son, but Abraham trusted in God that he would be raised up from the dead. But Jesus says something that he must be born again. He must be born from above. And he's sharing this revelation to him. And Nicodemus, who's a highly respected leader of the Jewish religion, cannot comprehend this. He does not understand this. You know, in fact, the teacher of Israel, he says to him, who, you, we know that you are from God. He knows that Jesus is coming from God, but yet there are things that while you may think you know things about God, you don't know all the things that he has. He's so awesome. He's so amazing that he's so, you know, Nicodemus is so taken aback by it that he's not even really fully listening. He gets more caught up in how can this be? How can this happen? How, how is it that, explain to me. And 
a lot of times people get caught up in, well, how can this be? How can this happen? Why can't, why will God do this? They start asking questions about other things as opposed to believing what God says is going to happen or what God says this is what should happen. And they're caught up in the how. You're caught up in the questions of, well, when and how? When God has given you a word. What Nicodemus should have responded is, born again? How can I be born again? And see the kingdom of God. I want to see the kingdom of God. No, no, no. He says, well, how to, explain to me how can you do that? <laughs> and he's coming, at, 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 he's coming at Jesus from an intellectual standpoint. You know, we, we, our society, especially here in the United States, has become, <laughs> uh, the word is educated, but with all the education, we become stupid. You know, we become stupid. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I really want to. They said, believe the science, get the vaccine, but then they say, a man is not a man and a woman is not a woman, so science doesn't apply. That's all I'm going to say. So, we see from Nicodemus that while he knows that Jesus comes from God, Nicodemus is a, Nicodemus, I'm sorry, is a ruler. He's a teacher of teachers. He's a highly educated. Uh, he knows the word. He knows the Old Testament. But yet, it doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter the title that you have. It doesn't matter the position that you have. You cannot enter into heaven unless you're born again. And Jesus is sitting here having this conversation with the teacher of Israel saying, you have to be born again. I don't care if you're the highest of highs or you're the lowest of lows. You must be born again. You must be born again. Amen. Right? So Nicodemus gets caught up in how, how, how can this happen? And um, like I said, we get stuck in trying to figure out God instead of just believing what he's telling us. And when we, when, and here's the thing, when we start asking how, Lord, or when we start asking the questions of how these things are going to happen, that's where frustration comes in. That's where frustration comes in. Because if we would just believe God and go on with God and say, okay, God, I know you put me in this situation. I know you're going to get me out. Show me the things you want me to see. Just going on with God. We're looking at, well, what about this situation? And what about this detail? And what about this person? And what about this timeline? And we're looking at these things, and that's where we get frustrated. Because we're not keeping our eyes fixed on him. Well, we should just keep our eyes fixed on him and wherever he guides us. You know, the more I read the word, the more I realize that God 
very rarely will tell you, hey, this is what's going to happen five years from now. Okay? When God, I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But most of the time when God guides somebody, it's step by step. It's step by step. I, I believe that if he would tell us too much, we would get overwhelmed. We would. You know? And what happens is it's like, I want to get down there, but, and God is saying, no, wait. And we're like, well, what about this? And, what about, and we get frustrated and we get impatient. And we start putting our hands to things. And then we start messing things up. And so we get frustrated because we're trying to figure out God as opposed to trusting God. And Jesus tells him, verily, verily, at verse 5, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you're born in the flesh, okay, everyone is born in the flesh. If you got skin, you're in the flesh, okay? You're born in the flesh. A baby is born in the flesh, right? They come from that birthing canal, the water breaks, and Jesus talks about being born of water. When you're born in the flesh, you are concerned about the things of the flesh. Even even as a brand new baby, okay, that baby cries because it's hungry. It's hungry and it's, there's a little flight. It's hungry and it, it wants to satisfy that flesh, that flesh is tired, so it goes to sleep so that flesh could get some rest. Right? If that flesh has a dirty diaper, it's gonna, that baby's going to let you know, changed me. And they'll cry and cry and cry in the middle of the night. Something's wrong because that flesh is uncomfortable. And as you grow and you, you, know, you mature as a child... You start figuring out, hey, I have a little bit of power. If I want that toy, I can take that toy. If I don't like what my parents are doing, I'll scream and kick and shout, and I'll let them know I don't like what you're doing because that flesh is acting out. And guess what? That child becomes a man. That child becomes a woman, and they want to gratify the flesh. You want to gratify the flesh. Except now it's not about a toy. Now it's about money. Or now it's about pride or power. It's about sexual gratification because the flesh feels good when it has sex. So you want to do that. So you do those things to gratify the flesh. And like he said, if you're born of the flesh, you're going to do the things of the flesh. But if you're born of the spirit... You're going to do the things of the Spirit. Now, Galatians 5.19 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is in the New King James. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery or witchcraft, hatred, contentions. You know what? Real quick, witchcraft. 
I heard this preacher say, you know what witchcraft really is? Witchcraft is manipulation. Witchcraft is just trying to find ways to manipulate people to do what you want them to do. So be careful. Be careful if you start trying to manipulate. I think Pastor Angela talked about it on Sunday. Be careful when you start trying to manipulate situations. and mani- She did talk about, about uh, manipulation, manipulating people to turn things for your, you know, your will, not God's will. Because what, you're start, what you start practicing is that opens a road. That opens, that opens the door for you to allow sorcery and witchcraft to come into play because you want to manipulate people and you want to manipulate things. And you don't, you don't realize that. It says sorcery or witchcraft, hatred, contentions, bringing division, bringing contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions, dissension, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, which, which, are, which are parties, and the like. All those things and everything that's like those things, Paul says. Those are the, the works of the flesh. Those are the things that, God just wanted me to hit on this. Those are the things that, number one, we know that as Christians we shouldn't be involved in. We shouldn't be doing. But number two, we shouldn't be entertaining ourselves with those things. We shouldn't be entertaining ourselves with sin. I'm just telling you, I feel God, like God's wanted me to hit on that. Why will we say, yeah, I totally disapprove of that, but let me flip it on TV and let me spend two hours watching it. Why do we do that? Why do we say, oh, yeah, sister, yeah, you hear the preacher talking about gossip? Don't you gossip. But then we'll go and sit down and watch TV shows all about gossip. All, all, all the dirt. Oh, he's cheating on her and this and that. Why will we entertain ourselves with those things? You think, you're, you're, you think that you're holier than thou because you're saying, hey, yeah, I'm not doing those things, but... Guess what? I'm going to partake of those things. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you let those things in, guess what? It's going to come out. It may not come here in the new life, four walls of new life church, but it's going to come out there. Be careful. Be careful what you allow yourself, what you allow to enter into yourself. Just like Jesus said. He knew what was in man. He knew what was in man. You may think, I'm not doing those things. But guess what? You're partaking of it. And it's in you. And Jesus knows that's in you. Paul says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you practice the works of the flesh, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And if you're doing those things, either A, you weren't truly born again. Or B, you were born again, but you decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to the flesh. But I'm going to tell you something. When you meet a man, Jesus 
everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. You know, the Holy Spirit will come. When you're born in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict you. And, you know, I'll tell myself, when I was a little boy, I was 12 years old, and I accepted the Lord at 12 years old. I remember it was an Easter service, Easter night service. We had a night service on Easter Sunday. And it was one of those services that, whoo, the spirit was so thick, you could have cut him with the, the presence of God. It was so powerful. And it was one of those services where you had like 30 young people come up to the altar. And I was one of them. And, you know, this, this daughter is, is hugging on her mom and her dad, apologizing. And they're, 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 they're getting right. And this family is getting right. And these young people are up here and crying out to God. And I remember coming down to that altar, someone laying hands on me, me crying out to the Lord when I was a young boy. And I, even at 12 years old when I did that, I totally remember the weight of sin just being lifted off of me. At 12, and I wasn't in dark things or deep, dark things, but I knew, I knew that Jesus had come, and he had lifted up that yoke off of me and that burden of sin off of me, and I was free. Amen. I knew that. I know some people say, hey, listen, when you're born again, some people say, I don't feel things, but you know what? When you're born again, you know. Amen. You know. When that baby comes out of that canal and it's crying, it knows it's born. It knows it's born. If you have not been born, if you don't know the time that you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if you don't know that moment that he set you free, you haven't been born again. Because when you're born again, you know. You know when you're born again. And the next day I had school. I used to go to my church school, just kind of like, like New Life Academy. And the next day, I mouthed, it off. I mouthed off to my, my sixth grade teacher, and he kicked me out of class. And I, I go outside, and I go down these stairs, and there was a mural on the wall. There was fish, and there was a big shark, and I kicked the shark, the wall, you know. I kicked the wall, and the wall won. <laughs> my ankle was hurting, but I, I, when I did that, I just remember the Holy Spirit saying, hey, that's not how you act. I'm like, whoa. I never heard that. I never, you know, the Holy Spirit, when you're born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will talk to you. Amen. He'll guide you. Amen. He'll convict you. He'll lead you. When you're born of the Spirit, you know you're born of the Spirit. Amen. And he'll speak to you and he'll tell you things and he'll show you things. He'll speak to you things that only you know and that he knows. And ultimately, he will guide you closer and closer to Jesus Christ. That's what he does. So you know for sure whether you've been born again. You know for sure whether you're living to gratify the flesh. But when you were born again, you don't live for the flesh. You live to gratify and glorify God. You don't walk in darkness, you walk in the light, just as Jesus said. Everyone that doeth evil hates the light. You know, when you do things and you do those things in secret, 
There's something wrong there. There, there's something wrong there. When you're doing those things that you know you're not supposed to be doing and you don't want to get caught, you know right there. That's not of God. Because you're doing things in the dark. He says, for everyone that doeth, doeth evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That word reproved means to be exposed and corrected. You don't, when you're doing those things and you love your sin, you gratify that flesh, you don't want to bring those things to the light because you don't want to be corrected. You don't want to be exposed. But he that does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Your works are in God when you're doing things in the light. Now, he told them, he said, Nicodemus, don't marvel that I said you must be born again. He said, hey, Let's get off of this, you must be born again. Like, don't focus on those details. Don't marvel about that. The wind blows where it, where it listeth or where it desires, and now here's the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. You can't tell where the wind's coming from or where it's going, right? He says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And again, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? He's still getting caught up in that. He's still getting caught up in how can these things happen? And Jesus tells him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Aren't, aren't you the teacher? And I love it because I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, you're the teacher of Israel. Don't you know this? Sit down. Let me take you to school, Nicodemus. Let me teach you something. You think you know God. You don't know him like you think you do. We think we know God. I promise you there's more in him. There's more in him. You know, it's like saying, yeah, I know God. This is, this is what God has shown me. And I have this and this is mine. And this is refreshing and this is God. But I'm telling you, God is the ocean. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. We can go deeper and deeper in God. And um, he says to him, are you the teacher of Israel? Do you not know these things? <laughs> I, just, I just felt like Jesus was saying, I'm the teacher today and you're the student. And as we read through the chapter, Jesus starts sharing with him some of the most amazing things that have ever been said, right? We read through John 3, 16, and one of the things that he shares with him, he shares with him how he goes to, goes back to Moses, okay? And he tells him, just as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, if you don't know the story, Numbers 21, Okay, the people were complaining against God. They were like, we're tired of this manna. Why did you bring us out here to die? Grumbling and complaining against God. And what God did was he sent fiery serpents. And these serpents started to bite the people and the people started to die. You don't realize, we don't realize what complaining and grumbling against God does. It actually brings spiritual death. Because God cannot do something with a complainer. 
In fact, it's hypocritical. It's hypocritical. When you say, I'm a Christian, oh, God, help me not to complain. I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching at me. It's hypocritical when we say we serve God, but yet we're complaining about things, especially to the world. And the Israelites are complaining against God. Why did you bring us out here, Moses? We're dying out here. We don't have water. We're eating this manna. You know, I remember when Pastor, I believe Pastor preached this when he said that at first when they saw that manna, manna is what is it? Means what is it? They saw that manna and they're like, what is it? There was an awe. Like, wow. This came down from heaven. And they're eating of it. But there came a point where they loathed that manna. They hated that manna. And it was like I said earlier, we get, we, people have come to this point. We get to this point where it's the word of God. And we're like, oh, I don't want to read the word of God. I don't want to read the word of God. It's boring. And you start to loathe it. Even David got to that point. Even David got to that point. Where he loathed the commandment of God. He said that when he was confessing his sin. If David could do that, we need to be careful not to do that. And they were complaining. These fiery serpents came and God told Moses, Moses, build, put, a fiery, put, put a serpent, build a serpent around a pole and hold that serpent up. And when the people behold that serpent... They're going to live. So Moses put that serpent around that pole and lifted it up in the wilderness. And when people saw that, they beheld that, they were saved from that snake bite. Okay? It was a picture of Jesus Christ being put on that pole with sin, with the sting of the serpent, with the devil's bite, and him being lifted up on that cross. And when you behold that and believe on him, you'll be saved. So he was sharing with him, hey, you remember, remember what happened when Moses did this? Guess what? He was talking about me. He was talking about me. You know, I would love to be those two disciples, Cleopas and Peter on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus was expounding all the way from the prophets, all the things that were spoken of and written of about him. I would love to hear that. That, to me, my favorite thing, the thing that I love, 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 is when you read the Old Testament and you're like, oh, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. I, 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 that just, that's the thing that it gives me the most awe. You know, you read about Jesus and then you start going through the Old Testament and it's like the Old Testament is like brand new, man. You know, and you read about Abraham sacrificing his son, that's Jesus. You read about the fourth man in the fire, that's Jesus. You know, there, there's so many things when it says, kiss, kiss the son lest he be angry. Who's the son? It's Jesus. There's so much of Jesus in that Old Testament, and he shares that with Nicodemus. That, hey, it wasn't just about that. That's talking about me. And he shares right after that, John 3, 16, which we know. 
right? For God so loves the world, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But I'm going to say something and I'm going to clarify it in a minute, okay? Because I know it says believe, okay? But the word believe is so much more than me saying I believe. Because believing by itself is not enough. It's not enough. The word of God says in James, even the demons believe and tremble. You believe, you do well. But even the, even the demons believe and tremble. So if he says to believe, what does, that, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? And James go on, goes on to say, But wilt thou know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So when you say, I believe, what are you doing with that belief? If you're just saying, I believe, and then you go on your merry way, well, then guess what? I don't know if you believe or not. But if you believe and your works show that you believe, now we know you believe. So when you walk in the spirit, what you're doing is you're doing the things of God. You care about the things of God. You are showing, I actually believe what I say I believe. I actually believe in the word of God because I'm doing the thing, things God, that God wants me to do. So just to say, Hi, hey, I believe is not enough. The demons believed. And guess what? Like I read in chapter 2. Right? All these people saw the miracles that Jesus did, and it says they believed in him. But then it says that Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in their heart. So it wasn't enough for them. How about when there were disciples that were following? They were following with Jesus. And when Jesus gave them a difficult word in John chapter 6, when he said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. You must partake of me. If you do not partake of me, you have no part in me. And they said, who can understand what he is saying? This is a hard saying. And it says, from that day forward, many disciples did not follow after him. Were those disciples that believed or didn't believe? They, were, they believed. They followed, up to, followed up, up to that point. I'm going to tell you something. There are going to be things that God does in your life that challenges you, whether you believe or don't believe. He's going to allow that to happen. He's going to try your faith. Because faith that is tried, it talks about it in 1 Peter, faith that is tried is precious. More precious than gold. So you either believe and say you believe, but you don't do the things that God tells you to do, which really shows if you believe or don't, or you believe and you actually do the things that God says to do. Hmm. Some say they believe. Some say they believe. But they believe and they love the darkness, just like those demons love the darkness. Those, those demons believe and they love darkness. 
And there are people that believe and then they go back to the darkness. Why? Because they love to do those dirty works that are done in darkness. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. In fact, it shouldn't be to the point where just like Jesus told Nicodemus, if I be lifted up, right, the son of man is going to be lifted up. He was saying, hey, I am going to die on that cross so that people that walk in darkness can be walking in the light. So that people could be saved. Just when you think God is pointing the finger at you, he's saying, no, I didn't come to condemn the world. You're going to find people that cross your path, okay? When they're at their lowest. And when you want to, when the flesh, I should say, wants to point the finger, that's the moment where Jesus says, I don't condemn you. That's the moment when you show the grace of God. That is the power of the gospel of God. That is the power of the grace of God. When the whole world is saying, oh, yeah, look at that. They're getting what they deserve. God is going to bring people across your path to pour into them the grace of God and not to condemn them. You know, I'm going to wrap up here. But it says, going back to John 2, it says, Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he was in man, for he knew what was in man. And now as I was reading through John chapter 3, like the Lord told me to, that verse was just in the back of my mind. I know that we talk about, in Christian, that we talk about committing your life to Jesus. Right? Commit your life to the Lord. Commit your life. Give yourself to him. But that verse where it says, but Jesus did not com commit himself unto them because he knew all men. He knew what was in man. Got me to thinking, has Jesus committed himself to me? Has Jesus committed himself to you? We say, I commit myself to you, Lord. But does Jesus entrust himself with you? Does Jesus commit himself to you? And, and, and as I was reading what he was talking to, to Nicodemus about, you know, I know John 3, 16, and it's the, it's the gospel. But Jesus chooses things to reveal about himself to people. Okay? He chose Nicodemus that conversation. I'm not saying he didn't have a conversation like that with anyone else, but it's written in the Word of God. He chose Nicodemus. Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot enter into the key. He chose to reveal that. He said, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's very rare in fact, the, the term born again is only in the word like three or four times. Like three times in John and once, um, I believe, in First or Second Peter. So that term born again is, is special. And Jesus chose to reveal that to Nicodemus. Now why? 
Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel. Nicodemus was the one that would stand before people and tell them the things that God has shown him. And the Lord Jesus said, hey, here you go, Nicodemus. You want to teach something? Teach how people can enter into the kingdom of God. Teach what happened when Moses lifted up that serpent. What's going to happen to me? Teach how people can be saved and how they can get everlasting. And he gave that. And he was entrusting Nicodemus with that. And what did Nicodemus do with it? It's interesting because in verse 21, it stops right there. It stops. And you don't hear about Nicodemus anymore except two other times. Two other times when they were talking about Christ and his follower, followers. And, and all Nicodemus says was, well, let's, let's, let's give him a little bit of time. You know, let's just see how this plays out. And then another time at, at Jesus' burial, he brings spices. He brings the myrrh and the aloes for Jesus' burial. It doesn't say anything about how Nicodemus shared with people what Jesus had entrusted him with. And what God is saying to you is what has God revealed himself to you about? What has he revealed himself? How has he revealed himself? What has he revealed to you about himself that you are withholding? What are you withholding? You thought this message was going to be about the gospel and about people being born again. But as I look on the crowd, I, I know 99% of the people here and I believe you're all born again. But there's another side to this. God has entrusted you with himself. If you are born again, if you are saved, he has entrusted you with himself. He didn't do that in John chapter 2. But if you were born of the Spirit, he knows that the Spirit of God is in you now. So he's given himself to you now. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with him? Because Nicodemus did nothing. If, it would, if he would have done something, I'm sure that it would have been in the word of God. Because the interesting thing is in the very next chapter, chapter 4, Jesus goes and he says, I must go. No. He goes and he, yes, I must go to Samaria. And he speaks to a Samaritan woman. And she's having a conversation, right? I'm not going to go through all the details. But Jesus reveals to her, okay, to a Samaritan and a woman that was looked down upon, and he reveals to her, she says, we know, we know that Messiah will come. And he said to her, I am he. I am he. he will, she said, we know when Messiah will come, he will tell us. He will tell us of all things. And he revealed that to her. You see, it doesn't matter. You could be the greatest religious person or you could be the prostitute and the whore. Jesus reveals himself different ways to people, but he reveals who he is. 
Listen, you don't have to be, okay? And you're not expected to be, nor does God nor pastor want you to be Jonathan Skiles. You don't have to be a Cameron, a Francis. You don't have to be an Angela. You're not expected to be that. You are not called to be that. Peter, you're called to be Peter. Stephanie, you're called to be Stephanie. Gabe, you're called to be Gabe. Ben, you're called to be Ben. And as you walk in this road and in this life, Jesus will show up and he's going to reveal himself to you. And he's going to do things to you. And he's going to give things to you. And he's going to give himself to you. He's going to give himself to you. He already gave himself on the cross. If he already did that, he's going to give you everything else. And the thing is, don't just stand there doing nothing with it. Don't be like Nicodemus. Be like the Samaritan woman. She dropped her water pot. She was there to drink water. Why? To get that water, to take it back, to gratify the flesh. She didn't care about the things of the flesh. She said, I'm going to go tell everybody about this man, Jesus. Oh, God, that the Holy Spirit would just hit us. That we would say, I don't care about the show if you believe because if God really did something if he really did something amazing and awesome in you guess what you're going to want to give glory to God you're going to go want to go want to go and tell people and if you're not then get in this altar because God is ready to do something I don't know if you want to put some music on or Just open up. I'm going to open up this altar. God is ready to do something, church.